Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you important topics and guests on a variety of topics that are important to you and your family. Today, we are taping a very special podcast on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine with Dr. Andy Pasternak. Dr. Pasternak is a local primary care physician with Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Pasternak. I want to thank you for carving out some time at the last minute out of your busy schedule to tape this important podcast. It it seemed really important that we get the facts out to our community on the J&J vaccine as soon as possible. Thank you so much for, for doing this for us. I am happy to be here, and it's been a... a yeah, the last week has been uh, a lot of news, a lot of things to digest, and so I'm I'm happy to try to get my perspectives on what's happening with this out to out to your folks. Perfect. So some things that we know. We know that the U.S. federal health regulators put a pause last week on the use of the J and J vaccine due to blood clots in six women, ages 18 to 48. One has died, and one is in critical condition. Since then, there have been two more, one woman and one man. Seven of the eight have had blood clots in their brain. We also know that 7.4 million people in the U.S. have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine with no serious adverse effects at all. Dr. Pasternak, you know what everyone's asking. Is this still safe? So... I do believe the vaccine is still safe. Uh, You know, we have given the vaccine here in Nevada. Uh, There was one of the cases that did happen, did happen in Nevada. Um, And I I do think in general, the vaccine is still safe. What we're finding, again, is there's this, uh, you know, started with six and now we're up to eight people that have had this fairly rare blood clotting issue where they get a blood clot in the brain. And the, the, the interesting thing, well, the two interesting things, they're also seeing this a little bit with the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe. Actually, they're seeing it more with the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe, uh, just because they've been giving more vaccine uh, with that. And what they're discovering is that a lot of these people, the vast majority of these people, have a very specific genetic disorder that predisposes them to having blood clots. Uh, and also predisposes them to having a fairly rare adverse reaction when we try to treat their blood clots. So, you know, I I think what the FDA is doing makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, you know, what they really want to do is to make sure that this is just eight cases, that it's not 16 cases or 24 cases or 100 cases. So I think in taking this pause, this is this will really give them the ability to kind of say, okay, how many cases of this are we seeing? Um, the other thing that we're quickly finding is that typically uh, when patients present with this fairly rare blood clot up in the brain, um, the, the typical treatment that we use for this is a medication called heparin. And heparin's been around mm-hmm. a long time. It's a blood thinner. Um, interestingly, what happens with these people because of this genetic defect uh, heparin actually makes their problem worse. And we, I've seen this with other blood clots. I've had a couple of patients that they go in with a blood clot, not necessarily in the brain, but a blood clot in their lungs or a blood clot in their leg. And we give them heparin, which typically fixes the problem. In this case, heparin's actually making the problem worse. So I think the other thing that is going to come from this is 
it, you know, for, for people in hospitals, emergency room docs, ICU docs, that if they see this problem, um, they're going to take a step back and think, okay, you know, we may not want to use heparin in this situation because it might just be putting gasoline on the fire, so to speak. Well, the pause that we're talking about, uh, what will they be doing during that pause? Will they be trying to figure out whether the vaccine is causing these blood clots or will they be assuming that the blood clots is from the vaccine? I, I, th- I think at this point they're assuming that there is going to be some sort of relationship between the vaccine and the blood clots. Uh, you know, again, we've seen it in, in six or eight cases. You know, there's some debate. Uh, I, you know, I've seen some debate online from some really brilliant people of, you know, if you if you took 7 million people uh, in general, would you see, you know, six to eight cases of this and 7 million people in general? And there's some debate of like, yeah, we that may be a typical baseline, um, uh, a baseline event in that many people. But I, I do think, again, because of what we're seeing with the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is a similar tech, it's a different vaccine, but uses similar technology, uh, I think the FDA really wants to um, make sure that's how many cases are actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, you know, but what, then, you know, what is the difference between the Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson? Why aren't we seeing this with the Moderna and the Pfizer? So the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines are, are what we call the mRNA vaccine. So the way that they sort of create the immune response is it's, an, it's this mRNA molecule that tells your body to make this protein, and then your body has an immune reaction to that protein. The, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine essentially use a virus. They take, they, 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 uh, it's essentially a cold virus or an adenovirus that um, is deactivated, so you can't get sick from it. But the virus, they use that virus to send the message to your cells, again, to start, sort of start this, this immune response. So um, that's why, you know, they, like I said, it's, it, the, the, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine is completely different technology, uh, and mm-hmm. we're not seeing these blood clots with those two vaccines right now. So what would you say to someone who's had the vaccine within the last three to four weeks? What should they look for, and how worried should they be? Um, I think you just want to be more aware of what's going on. Um, you know, what we're telling people who have gotten the vaccine is, you know, if you have a bad headache, if you have uh, problems with double vision, uh, blurry vision, um, if you uh, are having issues with your blood pressure, if you're having, um, you know, swelling in your legs, shortness of breath, um, then you want to seek medical care and you want to get some blood work done and get some testing done. Um, again, it's very rare. Um, you know, we're seeing it, uh, as you said, it's, it's, you know, six or eight cases out, out of uh, 7 million vaccine. But I do think it is important that if people have symptoms, they get appropriate medical care for it. So if the public shies away from taking the Johnson & Johnson, so let's say, and I saw Dr. Fauci on the news say that he thought there would might be a decision by this Friday and that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine might come back on board with just some um, precautionary things about it. But if the public shies away from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, will there be enough Moderna and Pfizer to vaccinate our population? So from my understanding, the answer is yes. And we're already seeing um, in northern Nevada, we're already seeing, uh, we're at the point now that if someone wants to get vaccinated, they should be able to find a vaccine. Um, you know, my office, we have a, we have about 100 vaccines that we're looking for arms to get in. 
Um, and I know I was on a phone call with the county on Friday, and, and we're hearing that as well. So we should have enough Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, uh, at least in Nevada, to get people vaccinated within the next week or two. Um, you know, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is it would have been helpful. Um, we were actually having some production. They were having some production problems with it anyhow. We sort of got a big first initial dose, and then there was a problem with the production in the lab. Um, where it was being produced. So some of the do- I think there was you know 15 million doses that went to that we couldn't use because of the production issues. So um, it it would have been nice to have because it's a it, you know if, if we determine it's safe, it's nice. It's one shot for certain populations uh, where you might have some difficulty getting them back for the second shot. Uh, it was going to be a really useful vaccine, and I think it still will be a useful vaccine in those populations. I, I mean, I do think the vaccine is going to come back, but it's just going to be a matter of making sure that we get it to the right, you know, the right uh, demographics. Well, a bit of a segue here, Dr. Pasternak. Can we talk about nursing mothers and uh, pregnant women and whether the vaccine is safe for them? I read an article that uh, nursing mothers are getting the vaccination so they can, through their milk, give the immunity to their uh to their child um are they both safe um so i would say you know i think we have enough data on the moderna and the pfizer vaccine that um, i think for nursing moms they're incredibly safe and i've actually had uh two women i know that are breastfeeding uh that had their child tested for antibodies after breastfeeding um, it was, I, you know, when they told me their kids tested positive for antibodies, I was like, oh, my God, that's, I mean, I, you know, this, the science brain in my, in my head was right. like, oh, my right. God, that's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I think for breastfeeding women, I think either of those vaccines are safe. And I would even say, I mean, most of the data that were, I mean, the data that I've all seen for pregnant women uh, for the Moderna um, and the, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, so far, we're not seeing any major side effects. Again, I, I tell people. I don't do OB. Um, talk to your obstetrician about it. Uh, but most of the obstetricians I know are actually uh, promoting those two vaccines in their pregnant uh, pregnant mm-hmm. patients. Is our goal still in the United States? Well, actually, we're talking worldwide. But let's talk about the United States. Is our goal still to have herd immunity? And what is that herd immunity? We hear a lot about it. So the, the goal is to get herd immunity. And essentially what I tell people is, Viruses can't live on their own. I mean, that's just one of the big difference. People ask, like, what's the difference between a bacteria and a virus? Bacteria, you know, they can grow on surfaces. They can grow in water. They can grow different places. A virus actually has to get into something else to grow. Um, and so with the, with the COVID virus, it has, to get into, um, it has to get into human beings for it to replicate. It can actually replicate in other animals as well. But um, so the idea with herd immunity is that if that virus doesn't, get into my system, it's got no place to replicate. It's got no place to, to multiply, and then I can spread it to somebody else. So the idea of, of herd immunity, um, you know, I, I tell people it's a little like, uh, it's like a car and there's no parking spot, um, you know, and, and so you just, it, the virus kind of keeps going around, but it can't, it can't anchor anywhere. It can't get it. So, mm-hmm. um, so th- that's the idea behind herd immunity is that virus doesn't get into a place where it can replicate and then spread to other people. So that's what we're aiming for with this. And we have great data from other countries, uh, Israel, uh, England, um, uh, Chile to a certain extent, where we're already seeing the benefits of this in terms of decreased deaths, decreased hospitalizations, decreased cases, because 
the virus isn't able to spread as easily. Well, let's go back to Johnson and Johnson for um, for a couple more questions before we wrap this up. Now we talked about somebody who's gotten it. Uh, the Johnson and Johnson within the last three weeks, if you have gotten it uh, a longer period than that, four or five, six weeks, do you need to look for symptoms still, or is it really in that two to three week window? It's really, uh, it's really been with really within a two week window that we're seeing all these severe side effects, you know, to be safe, I would tell people three weeks. I think if you, if you got the, 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 the Johnson and Johnson vaccine over three weeks ago and you're feeling fine, uh, you know, you're, you're, again, we, we want to be careful. We want to monitor right. people for symptoms. But really, the, 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 all these cases we're seeing in the first two to three weeks. So really what we're saying on this podcast is that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, when they stop the pause, will be safe for the majority of the population. That's, that's again, I, I kind of want to see what the recommend, you know, I don't want to, read what what their recommendations are going to be um mm-hmm. but i do think yeah i think within the right population um you know uh they're looking at safety data and and this to me you know people say oh how do we know these vaccines are safe and you know this really speaks to the power of some of the the safety monitoring systems yes. that the fda yes. has put in with this you know uh you know people say oh they're just want to get these vaccines they are monitoring these things constantly and um you know with the with the pfizer and moderna vaccine we're up about 70 million of those in this country alone and we're not seeing the side effect um Mm -hmm. you know so with this vaccine we're at about 7 million we've seen six or seven or six to eight cases we take a pause we look and so um i do think uh that when it comes back um again we'll continue to do safety monitoring we'll continue to monitor it um, but to me, I, I, I still think it's going to be a, a safe vaccine. And I think it's going to be a vaccine, especially, uh, like I said, for people who only want to get one shot, don't want to deal with the second shot. Um, I think it's, it, it'll be a safe option. Okay. So, so what we've discussed today is that if you've had the vaccine with the last couple of weeks, there's certain signs and symptoms you might want to look for. But if you're feeling fine and doing well you don't need to worry about it and we will see what happens after the pause and see whether the vaccine comes back online and the moderna and the pfizer are perfectly safe and we encourage people to continue to get their vaccines i i agree with all that and again i i would tell people at this point uh what we're really finding is we have you know, at this point, we're seeing more vaccine than we have demand for. So if people want to get vaccinated, um, call their doctors, talk, start talking to pharmacies. Uh, there should be plenty of opportunity for people to either get the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine pretty quickly here. Okay, fabulous. Thank you, Dr. Pasternak. Dr. Pasternak is a local primary care physician with Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine. And again, thank you for at the last minute taking time out of your busy schedule to give us the facts about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Happy to help. Thanks. Okay, everybody. And if you'd like to listen to our other podcasts, go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast. Be safe, wear your mask, and please consider getting vaccinated.